When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On Disney Plus, discover the shocking true story. Less than 1% of people get addicted to Oxycontin. Of how one company's greed triggered the worst drug epidemic in American history. A pharma company is lying about their medication. Addiction rates are on the rise because of this drug. A new and exclusive original series from the executive producer of The Handmaid's Tale. These people trusted me. Can't believe how many of them are good now. Dope Sick, now streaming only on Disney Plus. 18 plus subscription required. T's and C's apply. Welcome to the bloodandmud.com podcast, your sweary pipe bomb of rugby knowledge. I am Lee Calvert, the editor of bloodandmud.com, and he is over there. And I am Josh Gardner of Rugby Shirt Watch. He certainly is. And coming up this week, as the nights draw into the afternoon and create an all-encompassing and chilling darkness, we'll see if Wales this week somehow managed to throw the tiniest shard of light into the inky black of Josh's soul. Don't get your please. (laughs) We'll also review the other games and do some of the shit good ratings as usual. Thank you all for listening. The numbers are going up every week as it seems that people just can't get enough of our never-ending capacity to be a bit miserable about the sport of rugby, which, honestly, I'm not joking, we do love it very much. We just Yeah, in spite of appearances to the contrary, I, I like to think of it as um, I, I'm miserable about it because I love it so much. Yeah, we're keeping it honest. Yeah, exactly. Um, so thank you for listening. Uh, apart from all the people who don't listen to the end, because they clearly can get enough of us and frequently do. Um, as our wives, as do our wives, which is why myself and Josh do this with you once a week, so we don't have to burden them with all this nonsense. We burden you instead. Isn't that lovely? Exactly. Before we begin our rundown of this week, um, the Autumn Internationals and November Internationals are always a time to delve back into the past. And on Twitter this week, I did mm. do the 2009 Batlines comparison, <laughs> which is always good for a laugh. That is always fun. England versus New Zealand in 2009, which was the famous England Batline of... Um, which featured Paul Hodgson, Ayula Inley, Dan Hipkiss, Matt Banahan, and Will the... Will all. 
Yeah, and the New Zealand, uh, it was it was basically like Martin Johnson went to the broken produce section of a donkey market <laughs> the week before. <laughs> what made it even worse was that the, the New Zealand team that week did have like Mills Mullialina, Dan Carter, mm. Conrad Smith. It was a compare Rubbish. and contrast of the worst possible kind. Yeah. Also very... Also, very quickly, uh, the, rugby lex- the rugby lexicon, which we occasionally do, for those regular listeners will know, it's where we take things from the game and give them a new definition to help you out in everyday life. BP Conky got in touch on Twitter with a new verb or adjective or verbally to tag furlong. <laughs> yes. Which is to roll up and destroy anything in your path. That is basically what he's done for the last yeah. month. So basically, it? the Halab earthquake certainly tag furlonged. <laughs> I don't know what the Halab earthquake is. Is that should I know what that is? No, it's probably something bad. Sounds bad. Yeah. Before we get into the games as well, I was reading this week that uh, these this often talks about mission to Mars, which keeps happening, oh, yes. which apparently is decades away. They say. However, they have done some experiments because to go to Mars, apparently you'd have to spend twelve months in a capsule with three other people. It's four people in a capsule for twelve months, and it's a one-way trip. I mean. That does sound delightful. Doesn't it just? But going yeah. back, it's a one-way trip. So it, get, it got me to thinking, who would you most and least from the world of rugby like to spend 12 months in a capsule with? I mean, least is probably... Yeah, that was the easier list for me, I'll be honest. <laughs> it's an easier one because, I mean, for starters, yes, I'll have to live with them in a capsule for a year. So obviously I wouldn't enjoy it one way or another. However, there is the ray of sunshine and the silver lining on that cloud that, as you say, it is a one-way trip. So, <laughs> yes. in many ways, you'd be doing mankind a favour. So, for me, it's very simple. Matt Dawson, Austin Healy, Stuart Barnes, done. Oh, I see. So, you'd be taking a sacrificial route. Yeah, I'll take one for the team. I see. See, I said at least I wouldn't fancy being in a capsule for a year with Andy Nickel. No, yeah. Because you imagine don't. that chat. God. John Inverdale. Oh. But then again, doing your one-way trip and getting him away from humanity, I suppose. I mean, it, it depends quite how messianically self-sacrificial you're feeling. <laughs> yes. I don't think I could do that. Dean Ryan, I wouldn't fancy being in a, in a capsule for 12 months with. Maybe oh, because want to be in a lift with him for five minutes. No, because of the analysis. And he'd somehow yeah. managed to create a situation where he'd analyse the fact that you'd use more of the space bog role and that, you know, you owed him something. Yeah, and statistically, he was the most deprived of space bog roles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I wouldn't like to spend it... This might be a controversial one, right? I wouldn't like to spend a year in a capture with Alex Corbisiero because of the white man rapping thing. Oh, no. I, I think I'm the only person in the world who doesn't find that charming at all. No, I'm with you on that one. I think, on the one hand, he is allowed because he is sort of American. And he isn't bad at it. And he is good Not at that it. I know much about hip-hop, I'll be honest, but he, he, he seems quite good at it. <laughs> yeah, how old yeah. did I sound then? Not that yes. I know much about the, the hip-hop English, singing, <laughs> the urban entertainment, yeah, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, the white no. man, he's, he's the honey G of the rugby world, isn't he, basically? And I don't uh, understand that. That's an issue with X Factor, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, well, totally my kids make me watch it, yeah. <laughs> uh, what about good, then? Who would what I like to spend time with? Yes, who would you like to spend a year in a pod with? Andy Powell. Oh, that's a great shout. Because yeah. one, he'd like be a laugh and you could wind him up and like make him think he could open the window and things like that. Yes. And, and he would two, you. 
emphatically. The last few weeks we've worked out, he'd get quite deep, wouldn't he? He would, yeah. He'd want to bear he's his soul a, with you. I think that'd be quite He's a, a man thing. of hidden depths. He um, is a man of hidden well, depths. Because while I was thinking about this, my first instinct was scrum halves. Because I'm not a small man, and I like my space. So I just thought, if you're going <laughs> to be... practice in, once again. Yeah, if you're going to be in like... But then I, I also remembered that all scrum halves are mouthy small man syndrome shithouses. So, yeah, probably not. Um, then it hit me, though, Matthew Morgan. What he's tiny? Yeah, he's basically got the body of an extremely muscular ten-year-old, and so you could probably like stow him in an overhead compartment and have loads of legroom to yourself. Do you know? And my other one, and this might surprise you and all the listeners out there, by the way, mm. is that I'd probably take James Haskell as the person I'd most like to spend twelve months with. I mean, that is very surprising, given your track record. That is very. No, surprising. But do you know why it's so surprising? Because I think deep down, I just want to understand him. I know what you mean. And I think yeah. 12 months with him in a sealed environment. Well, I mean, it the could go either way. It could go either way. And let's be honest, if it does, if it does go bad, I'm going to come off worse because he's a unit. Of course you are. However, like you say, eventually, after that 12 months, the facade is going to slip. I could give it the full... Yeah, I could give it the full... hidden depths. I could give it the full goodwill hunting on him for the entire 12 months. Exactly. It's not your fault, James. It's not your fault. <laughs> yeah, I know it isn't. Fuck off. No, James, it's not your fault. Yeah, I know it isn't, yeah. And in the end, he would be crying. It might take six months, but I'd get him crying. See, I, I also thought maybe, like, Greg Laidlaw. Just because, like, even though he is a scrum half, he doesn't really seem to be a complete shithouse. No. And as we've discussed in the pod in the past, he does seem like the most boringly mundane man who ever lived. So in many ways, he'd be like human tramadol. So he would. He'd, he'd just, also probably organise activities. He seems like the exactly. time. He'd do a quiz, he'd, things like that. He'd make sure that everybody, you know, there'd be a sort of. He'd, he'd sort out all the rations, and he'd make sure that the the thing that turns your piss into drinking. He'd make you wait a long time for your dinner though before he passed it to you. He would I mean you? You would have to live with that. <laughs> Look, just give me the fucking meal. Stop looking left and right and give me the I fucking want. meal. And it, can you imagine how full and lustrous his beard would be after a year in a pod? He'd look like a sea captain. It'd be brilliant. He would. However, being stuck in somewhere like that for two months, when you got to Mars, I'll tell you what, you'd need a few drinks, wouldn't you? Mm. Which brings us on to our special reader offer. That is a hell of a link. Thank you very much indeed. Our special reader offer. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners of bloodandmud.com podcast, we would like to offer to you, via our friends at Beer52, the world's, no, the UK's biggest craft beer club, you can get £10 off a box of lovely craft beers delivered to your door. And you get £10 off by going to beer52.com and entering the code BLOODMUD10. Now, there's some other rugby pods that have got this offer, right? But don't forget that by being in, listening to this pod, you're basically part of the Rebel Alliance here. You are. You know, we this are, is just us two. Ragtag band of misfits. Ragtag band exactly. of misfits. Yeah. Can't get the sound right. Do all of it well, via Skype. But we're sort of on the right side of history. We're sort of on the right side. We've got no contacts. We don't know anybody. <laughs> and we're sort of on the right side of history. And you're coming with us, and I like that. And if no, you I'm want straight. to get in touch with us and tell us about how you're on the right side of history, you can get in touch with me at Blood and Mud, at Blood and Mud, or bloodandmud.com, or on Facebook. And you can get in touch with Josh. Uh, at Josh Gardner, or indeed at Rugby Shirt Watch. Now, I'll admit to you, ladies and gentlemen, I've got a new computer this week, which I thought would solve a lot of problems. However, <laughs> it seems to have created more than it's solved. 
So I hope this sounds all right when it finally gets out there. But I'll, I'll, as Josh would say, I'll level with you. I'm not very hopeful. <laughs> we shall see we what shall, the levels look like. What we shall see. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about the weekend. Yes. After getting all that like out of the way. Start. Shall we start with England? Uh, yeah, go on then. Let's start with England. Lots yeah. and lots um, of cards. Yeah, I mean, say what you like about this England team. They do now know how to front up to adversity and they know how to ride their luck because I think they managed to do both on Saturday uh, to varying greater or indeed lesser degrees. But um, ultimately, I think they probably took another step forward to becoming the team that Jones wants as well because they, they kind of they came out the other side and fair play to them for that. Yeah, um, Elliot Daly yeah. engaged in the most ill-advised mid-air tackle since the aeroplane versus King Kong. Um, I mean, really, what was brilliant about that was his face, the minute the guy he hit the floor. Exactly he was, you could see he went, oh, oh, shit. It was one of those brilliant faces and he knew, and it, nobody argued with it at all, did they? No. But and I mean, it was, what, the, it was the pat on the head from, from Dylan Hartley where it was basically just, yeah, I've, I've been there, soldier. <laughs> yeah, I've been there, mate. I'd, yeah. In fact, I'd have stuck my finger in his eye on the way down. <laughs> But um, yeah, the um, but the most pleasing thing about it for me as an England fan, to be serious for a minute, was how utterly unproblematic it proved to be for the rest of the oh, game. Yeah. Because I mean, Argentina aren't great at the minute, but still no. they have the players that can pull apart a team that's a, a, a defender down. Yeah, I think that they were probably. I mean, I've heard some people say that Argentina are a good side. I don't think they are at the moment no. like they were this time last year but if anybody yeah. should know a year is a long time in rugby it's probably England fans given the state that they were in this <laughs> yes. time last year um, they're knackered and they've been mentally on the plane home pretty much since they arrived because um, they've been literally on a plane for probably about 65% of this year well that, I, was, I was thinking about this as, uh, this afternoon like you wonder they've been talking about how the Jaguars going into super rugby would sort of take the Argentina national side onto another level because they'd all be together all the time and they'd have incredible, you know, mm. familiarity. But the fact of the matter is the amount of air miles they've racked up this year, like a 12-hour flight is basically a home is like their nearest rival game as far yeah. as they're concerned. And that's, you wonder how badly that's affected them at the end of this season. Because I think by be this stage it must, be, it must be pretty hard most of the time, but by this stage of the season they must be absolutely knackered. Yeah, Even the inspirational Austin Creevy trademark copyright looked uh, a little tired. They, yeah, they're just... When you think that they've been doing 12, 15, 18-hour flights every other week, basically... And then they go via um, Japan to come here. Uh, well, that, that was the other stupid thing. Yeah, they went... They came here. They came to Twickenham to play Australia. Then they went back to Argentina. Then they went to Japan. And then they came here. And that's just Argentina. <laughs> In the last month, Good that's Lord. without Super yeah, Rugby. That's, that's true, without yeah. the Rugby Championship. They, I'm, I'm amazed they managed. But anyway, that aside, I agree with you. I think it was, yeah, they. I mean, it was helped by the fact that Argentina had absolutely fucking terrible control and discipline themselves. I don't believe that. I don't think that's possible that Argentina <laughs> would do such a thing. Well, no, but that, I mean, it wasn't just the red card either. Like England's discipline was once again just really bad mm. and it's kind of been a running theme for England under James like but yet through this combination of 
very, very committed defensive tenacity and a fair bit of good fortune as well, nobody really seems to be able to punish them for any of this indiscipline. It's kind of like the All Blacks thing, where they just cheat and cheat and cheat, and somehow they kind of get away with it, or they come out on top in the end. Well, so, well, we certainly don't skip. get away with it, but we do come out on top of the end. I keep punching my yeah. microphone. I'm very sorry. I need to stop waving <laughs> my arms around. Um, the, yeah, um, it's a good skill to have if you can get it. What, punching a microphone? Well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yes, yeah, it is. And I think the thing is, as I said, the most reassuring thing, like you said last week, like I said before, is the fact that whatever happens, nothing seems to re- sort of no. change this sort of very efficient way they go about just getting it sorted. I mean, you know, playing with 14 men for 76 minutes is not easy. And apart from that seven-minute period after half-time when Cordero started cutting it up a bit, Mm. you know, it it didn't look particularly problematic to the point to which, in the end, they tried to obviously, you know, stamp people's heads off to win the game. (laughs) Well, yeah, and it's... I mean, they kind of reverted to type and they went to their happy place as far as... And England played this very physical, forward-orientated game and, and... Against most teams, that will still be enough to win. And they're obviously very, very good. Like they, they're just very good on defence. And I think that that... And it's not a bad place to start. Yeah, you can get frustrated by going. it. But there's enough yeah. of it. There's enough happening. I mean, obviously, Australia next week now. Elliot David's been banned for three weeks, if you didn't know that yeah. out there. When we, as just before we came on to record, that was announced he's banned for three weeks, which means the wings have got to change again. Which I'm assuming oh, means that Marlon Yard's coming back in. It does seem that way. Because basically it seems that a prerequisite of being the England coach is that you have to absolutely despise Samessa Rocket Dungooney for no discernible <laughs> reason. Yeah, I think the basic thing is that he likes one unsubtle lump and one tricksy lad on the wings, doesn't he? Yeah, I and think Daly played well on the wing last week. I don't think it was yeah. a bad solution. That, was, that wasn't a bad selection, sorry, because he no, played pretty I, well and he's a, he's a bright enough player to do it. It so. was obvious. The, the reason that he made that mistake is that he's an outside centre and therefore his highball, you know, he hasn't done that much highball work and he just got his timing all wrong. Yes. And so, yeah, in many ways it was kind of related to the fact that he's not a winger yet. But, yeah, he definitely shows plenty of potential. I'd so say. a new winger's got to come in and Billy Villipola's gone. Yeah, that's a problem, isn't that it? That is a problem, because there's not really anybody that obvious, is there? No, I mean, I guess they're going to probably plug Nathan Hughes into that spot, they probably plug they? Nathan Hughes in there, but he's not playing brilliantly. Um, beyond, I mean, Hughes Tamana Harrison is so far away from being an actual international player, he might as well be me. <laughs> he's, he's, he's unbelievably just a bit shit. Yeah. But it's intricate. Can England... It's interesting when you think about who the opposition was this week and if it's a kind of a good job that this happened this week because can you imagine if Daly had made this kind of error next week against Australia yeah that, like, well yes I can imagine that, that, I wouldn't fancy it yeah that Argentina second try which was fucking brilliant glorious by the way. yes absolutely, absolutely glorious gl- I mean if they'd have been in that mode I don't think England would have won that game. But as it was, like you say, aside from that 15-minute period, they didn't really turn it on. And it's wondering... England are kind of making their own luck in a way. Yeah. But you've got to think that they're they're minimising the impact of the errors that they do make very well. But I'm still not entirely convinced that they've really had much of an examination this autumn. And I think Australia will give them Well, the reason why you're not entirely convinced is because they haven't. 
So yeah. that's that's quite easy. That's quite mm. easy to sort out. And the only examination that's happened is they've kind of examined themselves by doing yes. something stupid. You know, there's been nothing that's come at them. That's yes, they've put themselves under pressure, but they've dealt with that pressure. But it's, it'll be interesting to see, especially given that they've probably got a bit of a psychological advantage over Australia after the summer. I mean, Australia are going to be fuming. We talk oh, about Ireland now. And they're a very different team than they they're were. They're a very different team. They're fuming. Michael uh-huh. Checker, Michael Checker's face looks even more like a smacked arse than it usually does. Oh, God, he's tossing grenades left and right already. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be an absolutely fantastic game. Yes, it is. It's I'm a very... shame that it's being played outside the test window. So Australia won't have Wilgenia, for example. Right. And I didn't actually know that. I didn't know that they yeah, were as victim to that. It's not confirmed, but it's out of the test window and Stard have no obligation to release him. No. So unless the and the ARU French really don't give a fuck about this money. stuff, do they? So. No. I would imagine unless the ARU literally drive a dumper truck full of money up to <laughs> Stade de France, there's, there's not a lot of chance. <laughs> but, yeah. So that's a shame, because it would have been nice to see both teams full strength going at each other again. But... Let's yeah. talk about Ireland. Let's. I mean, it was a staggeringly good win. I thought yeah. a staggeringly good win. Like they are for all of the talk of England's winning streak, and you know, fair play, they mm. are on a hell of a roll right now. For me, Ireland are the best team in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, the on, exam- on on the pa- on the past month, I wouldn't. Yeah. I can't argue with that in the past 12 months. But I suppose ultimately it's about what your form's like now, isn't it? Yeah, and let's not forget, the only time they played England in that time was when they basically had half a team missing. Mm. And it was debuts for Van der Fleer and all those, and they still nearly gave them an upset. So I think I, I'm already excited about <laughs> Ireland. It's the England's. last game of the Six Nations. It's the it? last game of the Six Nations. It's at the Aviva Stadium. Yes, it is. It is. Five o'clock out. on the Super Saturday. Oh, what a fucking game that is going to be. I cannot wait. But yeah, they were brilliant against Australia. I didn't watch the game because I was at the Wales game, but... It and was... we'll come on to that in a bit. We'll come on to that in a bit, but like... Yeah, they're just... Amongst all the praise that, and the rightful praise that's been heaped on Ireland for the amazing achievement of beating Australia, New Zealand and South Africa in the same calendar year... I'm not sure anybody's really made that much of a fuss about their most significant achievement of that, that I think, is that they seem to have inherited New Zealand's ability to just constantly and nakedly cheat at the breakdown and never, ever get pinged <laughs> for it. I mean, it's remarkable. And I'm not, I'm not saying that. Hey. This, like, for the best part of a year, they have been sealing off, going beyond the ball and taking out the guards on the edges of rucks with absolute impunity. And that's not a critique. They're superb at it. And as frustrating as it is when you're on the other end of it, it's just so effective. And it because it enables them to get quick ball when they on attack. Hmm. And it slows down the opposition ball as they have done against with two games against the All Blacks now. You know, they've slowed they've killed them on the deck because they've just been nakedly cheating. But they've been really savvy and smart about it, and they've got away with it. And I don't think it's any you know, Checker was moaning about it on the weekend. Hanson was moaning about it the week before. People are starting to get a bit annoyed about it, and I imagine that refs will eventually start to clamp down. But 
fuck it for the time being. Well, you play the game to when the whistle blows, Absolutely. don't you? It's that thing, you know, when, when is it, you know, it's that old question, isn't it? When is it a rook? It's a rook when the referee shouts rook. You don't make a decision yourself. You just keep going until yeah. you get told. So, so on that note. On that uh, note, David, yes. Dave Pocock's intercept thing on uh, yeah. where he looked to all the world like he must have been offside, but he was savvy enough yeah. to realise that there was no ruck form. Was one of my Loads of people were being quite self-righteous on Twitter afterwards going, see, he wasn't offside, but you should, you, know, you should know the rules. It's like, fuck off. Everybody who was watching that moment all screamed yes. at the telly simultaneously, he's a fucking mile offside, or yeah. some variation of that. And after that, oh, oh, yes, right, sorry, yes, he's not, yes. Yeah. yeah, but no, I mean, hats off to him, like, incredible awareness and realisation there was a super the 12 a super rugby team a couple of years ago that developed this Did you, the Chiefs, Chiefs have been was doing it. yeah they basically at kickoffs they don't they don't go in do they they don't go in so and then, they, then they all them. run around and stand by the outside half basically yeah. <laughs> and it's really but Pocock I remember actually Pocock um, counteracted that by when so he was basically the first man at the top of a ruck and they tried to do that, and he just reached out and grabbed Michael Leach, and therefore created. You're the in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and, and then it was a penalty. Um, Other so than he, that, he's not playing very well, is he? No, but he's such an intelligent player. He is. And yeah, I think I, I just don't think he's an eight. Stick him at fucking number seven where he belongs, for God's sake. Um, I said it's a very good win. I think, particularly when you think for Ireland, I mean, a backline was ripped to shreds. Before Absolutely. the game started, and then during the game, the same thing happened again. Yeah, and you've got a, the way that they've demonstrated, the thing that they've really demonstrated this autumn is that they've got proper world-class depth. Like, mm. can you imagine an Ireland of 12 or 18 months ago, without Johnny Sexton, for starters, is probably not beating many teams. Well, no, because it'd be Ian Keatley or Ian Madigan. Yeah. And you know or, how that ends. And, yeah, you take out Rob Carney, you take out Andrew Trimble, Jared Payne, Robbie Henshaw, Sean O'Brien. They're going to get battered 12 months ago. But now they've got the likes of Marmon, Van der Fleer, Ringrose, Jackson, you know, all these players that are coming. Ringrose was outstanding. I think Paddy, it was, it, was that Paddy Jackson's best game in an Ireland shirt? It's got to be up uh, there with it, I think. Yeah, it's after, I mean, it's either that or the game against South Africa in the summer. Yes, True. But I think the biggest compliment you can compliment you can give Ireland, it's like well, it's like England really, and and Paddy Jackson's a part in this. In that, you don't really notice when these other players go off. Exactly. You know, if you they if you just if you glance, you'd think it was Sexton playing to a certain extent because exactly. all the patterns are the same, yeah, yeah. the confidence is the same. And the system they've got, they've developed, a, and that, I think that is the thing that both England and Ireland really need. You know they should really take a lot of credit for is the way that they've developed this attacking game plan in the last year and a defensive game plan as well it must be said like Wales you know Ireland was stuck in the sort of kick heavy doldrums in the World yeah. Cup but they stand as proof that with the right coach the right players and a little bit of time you can actually evolve that to play a game that works and then and also a system that you can all buy into so like you say you can you can take players out of it, and because everybody buys into the system and believes in the system, it doesn't. You don't have that drop off, and that's what the All Blacks do. And England and Ireland have both realised that. And um, I think Joe Schmidt's done the coaching. Do you remember? Do you remember in, in the 2009 Lions when mm. Phil Vickery got battered in that first test in the scrum? Oh yeah. And he came back in the third test and, and, and dealt with it brilliantly. Yeah. Schmidt's done the kind of coaching equivalent of that in my mind because there were a lot of question marks hanging over his ability and 
as his, you know, his detail-obsessed and type coaching was being questioned and whether he can set the players free enough and is it, you know, yeah. is it too old-fashioned? Is it is a game, like Gatlin, you know, is a game moving on? And he's basically yeah. come back, hasn't he, after the summer and gone, you know what, there you go, that's me coaching yeah. with a full team and this is what happens. And it's, yeah. you know, just, just, just rubber stamping just how fantastic he is, really. Yeah, yeah, phenomenal. You know, it is very easy to forget that up until basically before the Ireland series out in South Africa in the summer, there was talk that he was going to move on because yeah. he wasn't well-liked. And, you know, were they going to offer him a new deal, etc., etc.? And now, you know, that seems fucking mental because he's made them arguably the second worst third best team in the world. You know? I think I followed that. Yeah, yeah. I'm with yeah. you. <laughs> so there you go. Ireland, fantastic result. And yes, yes. It's, it's set it up beautifully, I think. For the Six Nations, and actually, mm. I'm kind of glad because I don't. I'm not an arrogant England fan, right? But it was worrying given how kind of relentless England seems to have become, and given how other people seem to be dropping off a bit. Mm. That you, before the, the November started, I was starting to get a little bit worried about the competition, and then England might then win some games too easily, and then be convinced they're better than they actually are. That was what my worry was, yes. and I don't think that's going to happen now, especially with Scotland getting a bit better. We'll, we'll come on to that in a minute. Yeah. I think, in many ways, Ireland has shown that they best sort of said that they were filling, they were sort of bridging the gap between the northern and southern hemispheres. And I think that's, I'm not sure if it's exactly what he meant, but they sort of are bringing that northern hemisphere grit with a bit of the southern hemisphere flexible tactical game plan sort of thing. And it it works very, very well. And Uh, it's quite... It's quite, it's quite a different style to England, which is quite good as well, you know. Yeah, and I think that, um, and we've mentioned this before, I've, uh, we've talked about this over the past few weeks, this has been a real coming of age of his captaincy, hasn't it, I think? Massive. Because there were massive so. question marks over the Six Nations. The fact he was il- elected into the job and it was all like a bit daft, yeah, really. Nobody could think of anybody more naturally suited to it, and yet he is, you look at what he's overseen this year and you've got to it, it's been fantastic. I don't think he. I think perhaps because he's not the most naturally demonstrative of leaders, people are sort of not really talking about him as a potential captain in New Zealand. But why the fuck not? Well, hooker-wise, it's there's nobody else. Is I mean, to actually start the test, it's between him and Hartley, isn't it? Really? Absolutely. So, yeah. Anyway, we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. You're right. No. Nope. Yeah. Sorry, Let's talk mind. about Wales yeah. instead, then, shall we? Uh, um, you were well, there again. I was Did it make game. you feel glutton any better? Pun- yep, glutton for punishment that I am. I have uh, been to half of Wales's games this miserable autumn. Um, but yeah, three from four, third ever win over South Africa. I think we can all agree that Rob Howley is the new redeemer and should be given the job for life instantly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I sense um, you're not being entirely serious. Uh, I mean, yeah. Like, as much as I enjoyed the win and the atmosphere at the stadium was for the first time this all the autumn at least sort of one rung above a child's funeral it's kind of <laughs> it's, it's hard to take too much from what was a very average performance against the shittest springbok team i have ever seen and one of the shittest rugby teams i've ever seen live full stop yeah <laughs> yeah like there were several moments in that game where i turned to my mate who i was at the game with and was just like that's the shittest thing i've ever seen a professional rugby player do i mean there was that moment where Fafter Clerk threw the miss to quite early on in the game. It was then knocked on yes. by the winger. 
and then the 13 had overrun the line so much that he came from an offside position when he yeah. was trying to There was that him. one passage of play that just summed up absolutely was, uh, everything about them. It was incredible. And, and then that was somehow a penalty because of the... I've never seen that. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of educational because I'd never seen that before. Because why would... like? It's, and then there was that whole moment where they had some space out wide and the winger just passed to a teammate that didn't exist and it went out into touch. And it's not just like that he wasn't, that he didn't get onto the end of it in time. He literally didn't exist. There was nobody else on the field. What I, um, yeah, it was awful. What, what, I, um, what was interesting, I thought, was at the end of the game, whatever was said in the press conference afterwards, at the end of the game, it was interesting to see how generally quite brassed off all the Wales players looked. You know, they weren't, they weren't pump, punching the air and jumping up and down at this record win. They just very, very quietly and dolefully sort of shook hands with everybody and walked off as if they, it didn't look like they'd just... It, you exactly. Know, on the, the scoreboard, it was an historic result. Yeah. That's in, when you look at the history books, you'll see Wales' third ever and biggest ever win over South Africa. And, I, you know, and people will say, what was it like? You were there. And I'll say, it was fucking rubbish. And everybody was really underwhelmed, and there was barely a cheer when the full-time whistle went. Very, very bizarre. But that's... that's Sa- has Sam Warburton basically like become like a single-use camera now? Because <laughs> he has to just like play one game, then be thrown away, and you have to buy another one. Because that just seems it, to be what happens now. I, I honestly think that there is an... I've been a big defender of Warburton's because I mainly think that the reason that everyone loves everything that Justin Tipperick does quite so much is because he wears a silly hat. And therefore he is <laughs> infinitely... And I reckon if you swapped them over and stuck a bright blue hat on Warburton, then all of a sudden people would recognise all of the fucking unseen shit that he does. It's a theory, ladies and gentlemen. Better. Let us know if you think it's all about the hat, really. I, I honestly think that Tipperick's hat makes him... A, it does make him more noticeable when he's fucking up, which happens a lot. But it also makes him noticeable when he does something brilliant. Do you know what I think? People get mixed up with Justin Tipperick, right? They mix up the fact that he's a genuinely, incredibly talented rugby player. Yes. Which he is without argument. With the fact, with, with the idea that he's a genuinely, incredibly talented international seven. Yeah. And I think that, and there's a, there's a, it sounds ridiculous, but there's a big difference between being a very talented rugby player and a genuinely very, very good or great international seven. Yeah. I joked that we should move him to 12 because that's basically what his skill set is built for. Yeah. You know. But, it, it, I mean, he does offer something that no other, borderline, no other loose forward in the world offers. You know, there are very few players that can do what Tipperick does. Yeah, that tries good. There's very few would move with that pace and that amount of balance and go around. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't happen. But that's not much use to you when you need him to do what an international seven needs to do. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that, in many ways, I actually think that the what we ended up with at the end of the game might actually help, like... It might be the way forward a little bit because he kind of basically needs somebody to do the job of an international seven, mm. i.e., getting over the fucking ball while he's doing all his Harlem Globetrotter shit. And with Falato on the field, he is basically. He could play international seven if he wanted to, you yeah. know. 
And so with him back and with Moriarty doing the ball carrying, smashing the shit out of people all round fucking Man of Steel brilliance, it's he could, he's a luxury player, is basically what he is. And he needs the rest of the back row to be attuned to his weaknesses so that he can then do the things that he's very good at. And, and I, I think he, he needs to be renamed Justin Twitterick. <laughs> because basically, he is the most, he's the biggest cause celebrity on Twitter for people saying he's the best thing. He's basically the Welsh James Simpson Daniel. Well, he's basically James Hook in a, yellow, in a blue hat. Yes, that's true, from a Welsh point of view. But he is, he's like yeah. James Simpson Daniel for England, that everybody just said yeah. for years he was a solution to everything because he was so talented. Yes. And to be honest, he should have been used a bit better than he was. But actually, yeah, he had some problems as well. So There's that, there's that old NFL mantra, that the backup quarterback is the most popular man in town. Yes. And in many ways, Hook does have, um, and has had that, and Tipperick has also had that now, where because he isn't, starting every week everybody thinks he's you know if he only started then but what that's the thing is this welsh obsession and everyone's obsession really particularly with wales that there's one player that's going to be a fucking magic bullet that's all of a sudden going to make Wales. it's keelan giles now isn't it he's he's starting to gather momentum on that one but it's like no what wales need is a fundamental top to bottom tactical and philosophical rethink Yes, that may well involve large changes to the makeup of the squad and may well involve players like Giles and Sam Davis and Justin Tipperick coming in. However, what it really needs is to stop getting out of this mindset that tries are only scored by moments of individual brilliance instead of just solid tactical organisation and a bit of basic rugby intelligence. That's the thing about... Did you see Scrum 5 this weekend? Uh, bits and bobs. I try to avoid it. Well, you, have you heard about I the saw, Peter? I saw the key bit. Yeah, the Peter Jackson bit. Yeah. And why I did? Think, before we get onto that, why does Justin Marshall dress like a shit magician? <laughs> I think it's he sort of it's sort of he either leans shit magician or middle class farmer. Yeah, like, yeah. There's a lot of tweed going on there, and it sometimes really looks like a compare. <laughs> it's just the strangest. I actually saw him in a bar when he was. I think he was on his Osprey. No, it was after the the ninety nine World Cup in Wales. I seen him knocking around in a bar oh, yeah. in Cardiff, much bigger than you think he is. He's a big, big lad. Big lad. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's again, that strange mullety, highlighted. Yeah. He's still got that now. It's and, remarkable. And dressed isn't like it? a shit magician. I just can't. I just don't understand it. Anyway. Yeah, so this Peter Jackson. Jackson's coming as he basically just. I mean, what? I, I, I'll try and play this. He's got full network, isn't he? Yeah, the, the the one that they played about your defending defending the indefensible. I I, I preferred this bit. See if you can hear this. Doesn't mm. matter how we won. I feel like a grumpy old man who's been wheels for a night out, and I'm very grateful for it. But <laughs> it's an awful lot to be grumpy about over what we've seen over the last four weeks. Uh, yes, the Welsh management would be quick to say we've won three out of four. I say to that, lies, damn lies, and statistics. And if we're on about statistics, then how about Ireland also winning three out of four? Ireland taking in six months what Wales have failed to do in more than 60 years, and that is beat all three. I think that's something to shout about. Uh, the fact that Wales have won three out of four uh, is something, yes, it's a fact, but uh, I don't think I'll waste too much time on it. I thought 
even alone to yesterday, I thought it was a um, desperately grim period. So that's the coffee I gave to yesterday. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. What he's saying is not anything revelatory. No. He just basically said what me, you, and everybody else on Twitter have yeah. been saying for the last year, if not more. But it was quite shocking to see that in a yeah, sort Yeah, it was of, almost like there was like a hush across the studio. It was like, oh my yeah, God, he's just really said that we're, we're shit. Oh no. On Disney Plus, discover the shocking true story. Less than 1% of people get addicted to Oxycontin. Of how one company's greed triggered the worst drug epidemic in American history. A pharma company is lying about their medication. Addiction rates are on the rise because of this drug. A new and exclusive original series from the executive producer of The Handmaid's Tale. These people trusted me. Can't believe how many of them are good now. Dope Sick, now streaming only on Disney Plus. 18 plus subscription required. T's and C's apply. Have you got a one-for-all gift card that you've yet to spend? Treat yourself at any of the 11,000 one-for-all retail partners nationwide before December 31st, and you could win €10,000 in cash. When you spend your gift card, simply visit oneforall.ie forward slash win, and you'll be in with a chance of winning. Terms and conditions apply. One for All. Proud to support Irish businesses. The one-for-all gift card is issued by GVS Prepaid Europe Limited. GVS Prepaid Europe Limited is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Oh. Yeah, he's sort of brought this honesty into the platitude-heavy, matey what, fucking... What I love the value as well is that you had five. Justin sat there like a shit magician. You had, yeah. you, had, you had Jiffy sat there in his usual collection of slightly trendy man in upscale bar in <laughs> Cardiff outfit. You had Martin yes. B. Martin and Peter Jackson was sat there in the most dad outfit you've ever seen. He was like a, dad like shoes, teacher, wasn't he? Like it was amazing. slightly... Jeans that come up a bit too high. It was all. It was just. It was brilliant. He was just this miserable, miserable sod. And it was, it was great. But it was interesting how uncomfortable everybody became very, very quickly. And, yes, and, and, and the John bit about the defense got really like defensive, and it just Jiffy got acted like he somebody had like insulted his mam or something. And Jiffy and, at one point said, "Is what Rob Howley was trying to do?" I th- was, and I thought, "Well, obviously that's obviously what Rob Howley said to you, and now you're yeah. just regurgitating now what and he that, said." And that to me is, it really did show up the problem with having pundits that are so fucking close to the national. Like, name me an ex-player pundit who's Welsh who hasn't either played with or under Howley at some point. I don't think you can. It's Jiffy also the fact it seems it. impossible to get sacked as a pundit at the BBC. Well, exactly. What but have like, you got to Jiffy do? Played, Jiffy played with him, Martin Williams played with him and for him, Shane Williams played for him, Tom Shanklin played with him and for him. You know, there's nobody that hasn't... Pers- like, I've heard... Everybody tells me Rob Howley is a thoroughly decent bloke. And I'm sure he is, actually. And I'm sure he is. But the fact of the matter is, he's fucking not cut out to be Wales coach. And he's demonstrated that in 2013. He's demonstrating that now. But the simple fact is that nobody's going to call him on it because they're all his mates. And yeah. nobody wants to fucking stitch up. Like, it's no, just, I do, yeah. And look, I'd, I'd like to Eddie thank... Jim. Yeah, go on, sorry. Like, the thing that sort of... It was that that whole thing did make out... It did take a really good point in that it's not just that Rob Howdy isn't very good at his job because I kind of knew that already but the attack coach job, because that was fucking obvious. But this autumn really has demonstrated that he lacks conviction and bottle to mm. really make tough de- the like tough decisions that head coaches are required to make, particularly during a game. Like, look at Eddie Jones in the summer against Australia. 
when he hauls. You know, players having a stinker, haul him off after 15 minutes, change everything, win the game. And then you look at Howley, 80 minutes of fucking Alex Cuthbert, 80 minutes of Dan Bigger. You know, it's... Was it Peter Jackson said? You've got a player like Alex Cuthbert who is screaming to be put out of his misery. He's asking for it. Yeah, but he just sits there, as as we've said before, in this ill-fitting suit, looking fucking gormless, while the players fall apart, the system falls apart. Like, that's not... You know, it's not all on Howley, because too many of Wales' biggest players have gone completely fucking MIA this autumn. Don't get me wrong, but... Justin like, Marshall did say at some point on Scrum 5 or start, he said, and it was a very good point, he said, what I'm most disappointed about, because he didn't think about results, it's not about results, it's about building on your game plan. Exactly. And he, well, it is about results, but he said, but you're not going to maintain that if you don't build on your game plan. And he said, I'm most disappointed about how far back was they've gone since June. That's what he was yeah. saying. That's the most disappointing thing, that they've regressed so much since June, with not that many different players, to be honest. No. But... Um, I'd like to thank, before we move on from this, I would like to thank um, Losaurus Rex on Twitter who brought the Scrum 5 thing to my attention because I haven't seen it this weekend until she pointed it out to me. So thank you very much, uh, Low OD. Indeed. Let's talk about Scotland very quickly. Yes, I saw bits and bobs of this game and then I saw the highlights. Um, welcome back, I would say. Welcome back. Um, and also it kind of put to bed this whole notion that uh, Georgia are ready to... To step up. Very much. Although yeah, it has to be said, their beard game is is is, is elite. Top top draw. Well, um, like I reckon they probably all shaved that morning, didn't they? They were oh, all clean yeah, shaved at ten o'clock that morning. Possibly before kickoff. I mean, it, but I think Scotland have had a bit of a bruising time of it when you think about it over the last eight months. You know, they lost all those games to like Australia, to Ireland, to Wales. They squeaked past Japan in the summer. You sort of wondered if it had maybe dented their confidence a bit, yeah. but then. They get this win over Argentina, and all, um, all of a sudden, bang, the free-flowing fl- uh, free Harlem Globetrotters Scotland comes back, and it's great. I mean, obviously, Georgia aren't very good, so that was another reason, because it was basically a training match. But, yeah, I mean, you, in a way, you think about these teams are quite similar in that they've both got relatively small populations, mm-hmm. and they're both convinced they're competing against a very, very strong national sport. So, for example, Scotland... Have got most people playing football, of course, which is yeah. their national sport, and they're basically picking from that. And Georgia are keep, uh, competing against their national sport, which is eating live bears. Yeah, and I mean that is a really good spectator sport, and it is, and so. it pulls a lot of people, and there's you know a lot of money to be paid for, you know. So basically, that's that's that. Speaking of that, live bears, um, what is God Gods are like? He's just he's, a he's, freak of nature. He's just the yeah. hardest man. Genuinely terrifying on Earth, human being. And looks a little bit like Steven Seagal, which makes him even more frightening <laughs> in my what, eyes. What, new Russian citizen Steven Seagal? <laughs> is he? Oh, he's, <laughs> he's brilliant today, Steven. He's been Steven. made a Russian citizen this week. Um, yeah. He probably yeah, likes the way that uh, Putin does business. Fan. Him and Putin are great mates, which... They I probably mean, take the tops off in front of the fire and have a wrestle. They almost certainly do, yeah. Have a bit of judo. Loves a bit of that. <laughs> Loves a bit of anyway, Aikido. This isn't, yeah. this isn't talking about rugby. This is not talking about rugby. Anyway... <laughs> But imagine, um, right, imagine if that Scottish backline in that game had a scrum half that operated on something like actual real time. Yeah, well, imagine if they'd had the Georgian scrum half. Oh, God, yeah. Live wire. He was yeah. a live line of World Cup. Isn't he, isn't he, he still was, only yeah. 17 or something? He's 17 he's or 18 or 19. He's the youngest player at the World Cup, yeah. yeah. So uh, he's, he's going to be very good, I think. And um, he looked pretty good the weekend. Mm. Whatever time Laidlaw operates in, and Ian McGill got in touch on Twitter and said a good for him was... Um, Ali Price, who was the scrum half that came on, for yeah. being a bold, shiny little bastard. He's another shiny one, like Reese Webb. 
It'd be great if they both went to the Lions, but they're not going to. Um, <laughs> they could share a spray tanning machine. Yeah. What is the opposite of bullet time? Uh, yes. Because we'll that's basically t- what Laidlaw operates in. The opposite Glacier of what they do in the Matrix. Gla- yeah, yeah. Glacial Greg, as they call him, yeah. yeah. Um, but not one of your newfangled, rapidly melting glaciers oh, yes. these days. The, uh, one the, of uh, your vintage ones. That's your Planet Earth 2 for you again. The, uh, the, All of that. And in style, watching that game, it was, it was, they were both really trying to play rugby, which is nice. Yeah, it was, it was kind really of like were. a super rugby game in Endeavour, but it'd be like a super rugby game if both squads were like a bit drunk mm. or dizzy well, or mildly sedated. It was sort of Haguaras versus Sunwolves, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly, there you go. Yeah, that's exactly what it yeah. was. Yeah, good, good spot. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I think that was the thing. They both tried to play a bit of rugby, and I think we all sort of assumed that Georgia would not be able to mix it with the talent level of a team like Scotland. But I think the chase for them really was just how they got completely smashed physically as well, which I don't think they were probably... They, uh, they probably no. thought they'd have the measure I, of them. I, I think my new favourite... One of my new favourite people is, is Hamish Watson, that number seven for Scotland, mm. who's got that yeah, kind of scruffy good, mullet going on yeah. and wears an old-school headband with insulation tape wrapped yes. around it. And just has absolutely no regard for his personal safety whatsoever. <laughs> which I like yes, a great deal. I think that, all in all, Scott, it was a good day's work for Scotland. A very good day's work. They sort of very good. Stuart Hogg was excellent. And Georgia, as you say, they've, are they ready for the Six Nations? No. Well, no. But then, are they better than Italy? Well, Italy lost to Tonga, didn't they? Exactly. So what the fuck's <laughs> that all about? Oh, I've got, well, I'll tell you what happened. They, they rested Sergio Parise. Now I'll tell you what happened. It's official that South Africa are worse than Tonga. That's what's happened. Maybe that. Too. Well, yes, I think it also but... shows that like there's the top eight of rugby in terms of world rankings that are all sort of there's this quite a broad span of good to very you know yes average to very good teams there. But then sort of below the Argentina's sort of territory, there is this sort of nebulous strata of teams that are sort of about the same level they're occasionally capable of being a bit better but generally they're kind of just there's quite yeah. a big gulf and they're just not they're not anywhere near it i think it shows that georgia should be given more of these kind of games in the november Definitely. and maybe yeah. something at the end of the season but it's not it's not time to come in yet no not at all i don't think before well, do you want to, i didn't see france new zealand i believe france played very well again <laughs> they did, sorry, I'm just choking a little bit here. Um, 34 yeah, offloads I, and, and so on. Yeah, I actually watched most of the second half of this when I got in from, from the Wales game, and I was actually both impressed and slightly worried about France. Um, impressed in that they seem to have discovered that old French flair and worried about what that means for the rest of us. Now, um, interestingly, England-France is the first in the first weekend of the Six Nations on the yeah, first day. Yeah, I mean, I don't so. think they'll have enough to... Th- because there were issues, like... You have to qualify it by saying they were playing a weakened All Blacks team who were basically last day of term level of commitment at times. Um, But they came very close to winning, and they probably should have in the end. And, Mm. you know, anybody would take that on their day, I think. Um, They were solid at the scrum. They were decent in defence. And the way they were throwing it about at times was delightful. Um, Some of the handling, some of the running lines, it was lovely. However... Um, they were incredibly imprecise and constantly trying for that miracle ball and completely like just fucking it up at the last. They were useless on the deck, like appallingly bad. Um, 
and their line out is comedy. I think they lost five on their own throw. And yeah. But like, if they can tighten that up, and they're going to be more very than anything, It's not about, as a person watching the Six Nations, if you cast your mind back to every week we did this pod during the Six Nations last year, it yeah. was a pretty fucking depressing. I mean, it, it turned out lovely for me as an England fan. I was delighted. But actually, yeah. week by week, it was a fairly fucking miserable existence and experience. Oh, the quality of rugby last year in Six Nations was and genuinely awful. If this November begins to go by, it looks like Wales aside, um, it mm. looks like um, it might be a bit more reasonable to watch this year, if nothing else. Yeah, I think uh, I think if France, you know, if they can tighten up some of the things that went wrong, they're going to give anybody a game. And they've got Fafana, Baptiste Surin, the young scrum half looks very good, Lamarat, Nakatasi. Even our old friend Vakatawa, you know, they look they look very good. And who knows? I, I, I never, there's always a false storm with France, yes. but in this because, case... Because, and join in everybody, you never know which France <laughs> are going to... But maybe that will be true again now. Sorry, I nodded off there. I was being so boring. Maybe that will yeah. actually be true again. Yes. Maybe we won't know what France will turn up. How exciting would that be? Yes, because under Sansandre, the France that turned up was like a, a septic tank being rolled slowly down an incline yes, into a school was, or something. It was Neanderthal France. <laughs> Before we move on from the reviews then, I think we do have to touch on hashtag Ulster Shitwatch. Well, we do, yes. I because mean, we, it was all should, set up on Friday. Sh- Go on. Yes, should we say hashtag postponement shitwatch? <laughs> yeah. So it was all set up on Friday for Ulster to play Zebra and for the, the order to be returned to the universe. However, yes. we've yes. obviously okay. learned nothing and we shouldn't predict anything when exactly. the great once divine again, overlord of shitwatch is involved. Yeah, once again, Mother Nature has intervened and the game was called off as a frozen pitch. So Because some a, higher power up there is not interested. No, no it it's not going back to Zebra. I'm not ready yet. I've seen enough of this. <laughs> So, yeah, that game is unlikely so, to be played again until next year now. So, Zebra have dodged the bullet. And, and Ulster, Ulster play Cardiff, to Cardiff next, next And week. if I remember rightly, it was Cardiff that took the baton from Ulster last year. Certainly. No, Cardiff gave it to them last year. Oh, did they? Yes. And then it went back to Ulster. And then it went Ulster. It went, yeah, it went Cardiff, Ulster, Zebra last time. And this year it's gone Edinburgh, Ulster. And then so maybe Cardiff, Cardiff are going to get it. And then that I'll tell you what, if they don't if they don't beat Cardiff next week, they're going to be hanging on to it for a while because they've got a double header against Clermont up next. So imagine if they lost, if Clermont didn't Clermont turn up one day, watch. and then it comes Clermont, and then it's it's into the top fourteen. Oh, we might have Toulon shit watching everything. And, that, and, that, and let's face it, given the appallingly lackadaisical attitude that French teams take to away games. Yeah. Especially towards the end of the season when, you know, they don't really give a shit anymore. This could go... It'd be brilliant. So the Cuthbert Police on Cup remains in Ulster because the great divine overlord of Shitwatch has, Has you know, mocks... It mocks our earthly, manly, human ways. Exactly. You want to assume things? Fuck off with your assumptions. (laughs) So watch this space. We'll see what happens uh, when Ulster play, Cardi. Let's go on to the shit good ratings, shall we, Josh? Let us do that. I think that is Thank you very idea. much for everybody who got in touch on Twitter once again. I actually invited on Twitter this time. I said, as well as shit good, tell us other things you might want us to talk about. <laughs> we got some quite strange suggestions. For yes. example, Ian McGilpin, when he emailed about um, the 
Scottish Scrum Half, also said, can you discuss why inflammable basically is the same as flammable? Anything to I offer mean, on that? It is stupid, isn't it? I'm sure scientifically it makes sense, but from a basic common sense level, it doesn't seem to make any sense, does it? It doesn't. But maybe it's like finity, infinity. It's flammable, it and then there's supersonically flammable. Anyway, yeah. let's move on. Um, we could get diverted about this. We could get bogged down time. in there. But yes. Andrew is it easily set on fire is what he means, basically. Rather than it? just normally set on fire. Maybe. So it's a shell suit know. versus a normal tracksuit. Yes. Do we know? Who knows? Anyway. So good. Let's start with good. Andrew Collin got in touch on Twitter. Thank you very much. At Blood and Mud and said, good was Kyle Sinclair's cameo appearances. He did look very handy, old Kyle there, didn't he? Uh, yes. And I think, I know Adam Jones rates him very highly indeed at Quinn's. So, um, yeah, I, I think... I do think Maybe he's one of those ones that people might get very excited about and then he disappears in about eight months. I hope that's not the case, but it's got that stench about there's it. A, there's a lot of form with England props for that shit, isn't there? There is. So, yeah. Speaking of which, Kieran Brooks. <laughs> yes. This weekend being an a impressive shit shithouse, but we'll and, come to that. And Northampton generally. But what's I mean, going yeah, on there? going to go to shit, I mean, what the fuck is going on there? Theory me. But uh, we'll come to that in a minute. Um, yeah. Um, so good, good for, for you, me, Courtney Laws. I think he's not. Not many people have talked about him this autumn. But while his fellow locks have sort of been dropping like flies for one reason or another around him, he's just been rock solid, incredibly physical. Like what an amazing player to have in reserve for England. You know, yes. he'd be starting for pretty much everybody else. Well, everyone thought it was kind of over, didn't it? Because if you remember, Lawrence and Laws were like England's future for the next mm. decade, yes. eighteen months ago, and then, and then obviously he had a lot of injury issues and. And then they obviously found that superhuman being in a laboratory somewhere, which is my hmm. told you, that changed everything. But I think he had injuries, and then people were really yeah. a bit reckless. And But actually, yeah, yeah, he's pulled his career back very back well, I think. Back massively, yeah. No, what a player. Good for me was Facundo Issa's show-and-go kick. Yes, I did like that. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, he's a number eight, right? But actually, forget hmm. that for a minute. How many players have you actually seen do that, whoever they are? Actually do it, yeah. Yeah, even like Carlos Spencer didn't do that very much. You know, he, no. he literally, it was glorious. The full, incredibly obvious shape to kick, and then just pulled it back in and went. In one of those sort of moments of, like... I mean, he is rapidly turning into one of my favourite cult players anyway. He's and his try was incredible as well. Oh, he managed to just, like, smash eight people out of the way. Go, is free. Such a, yeah, I could watch him for hours. But... Yeah, that's the thing. He's got skills to go with all that shit as well. It's not just that he's a massive lump. He clearly has a bit of a rugby brain, which is yeah. quite... I don't want to say it's rare for a number eight, but... It's rare to have it in that, in that many spades, yeah. Yeah, he's, and he's 20-something, isn't he? Like 21, something like that? Yeah, he's, he's ludicrous. But uh, yeah, so that was glorious. Uh it's Mikey S got in touch on Twitter and said that shit has to be Johnny May's attempt at playing flanker. Oh my god! Have you so seen good. this? So good. Now, right in his de- in his defence, right, he is a winger. So that's the first thing. Yeah. However, has he watched rugby? <laughs> no, has he never seen? Has he never actually looked at the scrum at any time in his life? Find around the props calf and then the thigh, and he's just looking at him like. Doing? But he put his head up, up Mac O'Very arse. 
Yeah. And Mako then, you could see, put his hand behind him and push him like out of his backside, basically. Then he grabbed hold of his ankle. And it's like, how do you think he's going to push you? Do you hold it up to his? I mean, just take a minute and just think of the logic of what you're doing. He's just, you're basically going to pull his ankle from under him when he's trying to. It was... But he put his head in and then out, then in. And then grabbed it his was... ankle. It was, it was unbelievable. Wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. I loved every minute of it. It will, it will, it was somebody said on Twitter, it will ring long in eternity, that video. What was funny as well is the guys who'd recorded it and put it up, they were giggling their asses off all the way through, weren't that the other thing? How could you not? It's, it's one of the best things I've seen in a long time. However, it will be in every like rugby funny, yes, highlight compilation ever. It was brilliant. It obviously shows that he's obviously a little bit thick, isn't he? Bless him. I think, yeah, probably. But However, kind of in his defence, he's still probably a better scrummage than Lee Mears was. <laughs> Touche, yes. Um, any more goods from you? Uh, yeah. Um, Wesley Fofana, I mentioned him briefly, but like, there was a time last year, around the moment where he got shunted out onto the wing yet again, where you honestly wondered if Guy Neves was going to do exactly what his predecessor had done and waste the talents of... Hmm. Somebody who's, let's be honest, he's the best player France have. Well, he's back at 12, isn't he? And now, yep, and he, looks he saw the light. He's back at 12. He's been given a free reign to express himself. And he's been fucking brilliant for France this autumn. Like, if they really are having a revival of that old player, it's in large part because he's allowed to do basically whatever the fuck he wants. And it's a joy to watch. And also, you I, know... I, I, I love still, him as a player. He's one of my favourite players around. I think yeah, he's it's very good. Phenomenal. And um, I still have my dream of him and Fiku being the centre partnership for years. I'm still holding Me on too. to that dream that Fiku is going to be what I thought he was going to be he's gonna three be years in that ago. One game where he broke through for Toulouse, uh, rather, and he thought, fuck me, he's going to be Francis yeah, 30. Look at that. Wow, what a player. Oh, God, yeah. he's. He's toilet now, but never mind. <laughs> he um, did come off. He is still coming off. The he's bench, there, is he? He's there, there about. So that's why I'm still it, holding on to the dream. Yeah, he's still there. It does look like Noves favours Lamarat though, which I can't really blame him for. That's a good combination for club and indeed country. Um, other goods for me. Um, did you see uh, Baptiste Serin's little cat flap offload that put Louis Picamos over for the only French try? No, I've not seen any of that game, unfortunately. Watch that. It's beautiful. It is cheeky and delicious. And uh, probably the pass of the weekend, if not the month. Um, PJ Jeff has got in touch on Twitter and said good was Stuart Hogg and uh, shit was yeah. Elton Yandies. We were both They were both spectacular, but for very different reasons. Yandies <laughs> was very bad. I mean, he wasn't the only culprit there don't get me they were that was a failure he's been terrible for the national team all year and yet so good for the lions and it makes well, that just shows you how the problem i don't think it's, it's not with the talent is it to be no, honest i mean you know it's not it's not a vintage springbok so team many, this but it's not so many things going on there that yeah you got any little um, yes i have got a couple um scotland's alternate shirt that they wore against uh Georgia for starters Really? Stripes, proper collar, old-fashioned circle for the numbers. Yeah. Bloody love it. Yes, please. Love it. Um, and my other one is um, people getting balls to the face, which was a bit of a recurring theme over the weekend. We had Roman Pratt twice taking a ball in the face during the Wales game. And then my personal favourite, which was Mike Brown getting the ball that he just knocked on over the try line, booted back into his face <laughs> as punishment. You're which... just... 
You just a, you could watch an hour-long DVD of Mike Brown getting the ball booted into I, his face because uh, you're Welsh. I basically so. had that vine leaked all afternoon. <laughs> uh, it's a great weekend for slapstick, is what I'm basically getting at. Uh, you know, we love a choir on this pod, don't we? We do. And, we the, do. and, the, and in the Scotland game, which is at Kil, Kilmarnock, wasn't it? This, this rugby park, good. ironically. Um, yes. The pen got in touch, uh, regular listener, thank you for getting in touch, the pen, and said... Um, Shit, is the SRU trying to get the crowd at, Kill- at Killy going with a rock choir? A, what, a, I didn't know there was such a thing. A rock yes. choir singing Erasure's Give a Little Respect. Oh, that is bad. I that's not even a good... Very... I mean, if you're going to go Erasure, that's not even one to go with, is it? No. I mean, I remember Stop would be first... a better shout, you know, it really would. Yeah, the first ever Judgment Day that they had in the Millennium Stadium, they got a... Uh, they had a rock... Like They were like a four... Part vocal rock group, and one of them wore a kilt. They all had beer. It was basically one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life, and it was a large part of one why. One of them wore a kilt, and they shit. all had beards. That's absolutely yeah. brilliant, and so fucking awful. I'm so glad I never saw it. It, yeah. it was truly, truly atrocious. Um, and yeah, that was a large part of why that first Judgment Day was a fucking disaster. Let's go. Uh, Onto shit, shall we? Have you got anything yes, else? Yes, I think we're kind of there already. We're kind of there already, are we? Yeah. Um, shit for me, George North. Um, <laughs> Standing agenda item, George well, North. Yeah, I mean, I could have picked anyone from the Wales backline at various points this month, not least the increasingly annoying and selfish Liam Williams. But um, North has just been a sorry sight to see, hasn't he? Like three games, no tries, no positive contribution to speak of. He well, you probably didn't even know he was playing, did you? That's and that's the because you always knew he was there, didn't you, George? Or, yeah, and he's completely not, not like I like it's really baffling because he was so sharp for Saints at the start of the year, and he was so good for Wales in the summer, but he just looks like he's just really doesn't enjoy. It. He, he's looked like a man that doesn't want to be there hmm. for the last month, and you've got like I know that. Gusketh basically said in his column this week that like some of these Wales players need to rediscover their love of the game and work out if they actually still like it anymore. And I, I think that's a bit dramatic. But in North's case, he just doesn't look like he's enjoying his, the game anymore. Yeah. And you've got to wonder all the injury problems and the concussions and all that sort of stuff. Is he really that bothered anymore? And if if he's not really that into it, then... Wales should not be picking him. He's, he is the best, he's the most talented fucking winger in the world. But if he's not up for it, let's get somebody else in that is and let him get back to it in his own time. Yeah, Cuthbert, for example. Well, that was it. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, speak, is it something else that's Northampton's fault? Generic, generic Barman84, a regular contributor, came on to Twitter and said that shit is Northampton, which we've talked about again. Ooh, really and bad. he said... Yeah. Are Northampton the Wales of the Aviva Premiership? They are a little bit, in that they were very good a couple of years ago, but in many ways they have been left standing by more progressive teams like Wasps and Bath and Exeter and Saracens. There's also the issue that I predicted to get back into the playoffs this year. So, I mean, I should have known, really. I'm sorry if anyone put any money on that. I should have fessed up much earlier that's what's happened. Realistically, they should have known better in the first place, shouldn't they? (laughs) Yes, they should. (laughs) They should have known better to lie to one as beautiful as you, as Jim well, Diamond exactly. once sang. Um, <laughs> I wasn't talking uh, to you then. That was more of a generic you. No, I, Josh, I you understand that, I don't you? I was with you. Shit for um, me, I watched the Sale team 
this weekend. And did you see their defence for the try that Rob Miller scored for Wasps? I didn't. I haven't seen He went friend. through the line and round about two people with the effortless ease of a feather being blown across a garden. <laughs> it was unbelievable how bad the tackling was. I thought, and because they were in their change kit as well, I thought I was watching Bristol in that yellow kit of theirs. It was so bad. <laughs> but it, honestly, it was incredible how awful it was. And the irony is that Bristol actually, even though they lost, obviously, yeah. um, they defended very well against well, they Leicester. Were, and they, they, were, they were there or thereabouts, weren't they? Yes, the poor and they level with you. Since they sacked Andy Robinson, they've looked yep. substantially better. And, you I mean, they did beat Sale in the Anglo-Welsh Cup a couple of weeks ago. But, yeah, I think I now no longer think... I think they're going to beat somebody at some point this year now, whereas I was genuinely worried at some point. Even more, if they can get fucking even Etzebeth in there, him and Ian Evans as a a two-handed shithouse in the second That round. would be a serious be... amount of shithousery to dish oh around, God, wouldn't it? The, just the sheer naked fouling that would be going on all the time would be brilliant. <laughs> Any shit um, for you? Yes, uh, we've spoken about him before, but Juan Martin Hernandez, um, mainly yeah. for that amazing kickoff that ended up behind him after Johnny May's try. Those of you who have not listened to, the, if you've not listened to the pod for a long time, and you're not mm. a regular one over a period, we haven't talked about him for a while, but I've always been quite yeah. consistent that I've always thought he's a little bit shit. Mm. Um, in that, going back to the Tipperick issue, confusing a gloriously talented technical rugby player yes. with somebody who doesn't actually do that much to actually win games for you regularly enough mm. to justify the hype. That's really what it is. I think, um, yeah, I think that is, is quite fair, isn't it? He is... He's never really lit up in the way... You remember when he was young and he came onto the scene and you just thought this... Well, that World be... Cup in France, he was dazzling, wasn't he? He was amazing, wasn't he? But again, and, it was and... all that dazzling stuff that dazzles people who don't actually watch games enough, like kicking the ball the outside of your boot and all that kind of stuff, yeah. which is, oh, look at that. Isn't he brilliant? Yeah, but he's not really done much but, that actually yeah, 12 he, are supposed to do. He was, he was being earmarked as the new Felipe Contepomi and it's kind of not really panned out like that, has it? Like he's still a good player, yeah. But of course, but yeah, doesn't just. But yeah, he was definitely shit this weekend. Yeah, shit for me uh, is uh, once again biased commentary. Mm. Now it wasn't Mark Robson and Quinlan so much this weekend, even though they were equally awful, particularly yes. for the Keith Earls tribe. But they are Irish. I mean, they were properly on the vinegars, the two of them. They've had to put a sheet down in that commentary <laughs> box. He was getting so carried away. <laughs> but yeah, it is. I mean, you know that the week before it was, you know, would you say, uh, Alan, that Australia are inhuman monsters. Yes, I would, Mark. You know, it's kind of that kind of thing. But anyway, no, the worst one was John Beattie in the Scotland game. Oh, God. He was particularly he awful. Bad. He's not very good anyway, because he just kind of goes, and he passes to him, he passes to him, he yeah. runs forward a bit, passes to him. Mm. But remember the, the hog try where he chipped forward? Yes. And he caught the ball. Got a good bounce and ran in. John Beattie described that as sheer genius. He, he knew absolutely nothing about that. What I would describe it as is he lumped it forward in, in, in a bit of hope. All the yeah. Georgian players shat themselves and watched it bounce. Yes. And he reacted quite then, quickly to catch it. Yeah. And then it somehow, he ran in between three players and somehow it bounced directly into his hands. Yeah. The, now, the way they spoke about it. a miracle of physics. Exactly. They spoke as if he could bend the laws of physics himself. <laughs> That's almost like it was... The but second then they, try he scored. Fucking fantastic. Fantastic. Because it was a good try for the yes. Scotland team. But um, yes. then when the replay was being played, Beattie was like properly creaming himself over that. Cause got, I mean, some players have got pace, but he's got everything. He's got absolutely everything, Stuart Hogg. He's unbelievable. 
sheer genius. But yes, there's just it, it, so yeah, I got quite naffed off to that. It's, yeah. So you had him doing that, and then Chris Patterson doing that sort of droning thing after him. Yes, oh, he's yeah. he's very good. See, I was in a bar, so I I didn't get any of this. I was just watching the game. Any bibs of sick this weekend, Josh? In, no in bibs. I wasn't in hospitality this weekend, so it was a. But, a but you, know, you are in sick. Cardiff, so bibs of sick are not that strange a thing to do. True, to true. I mean, there were a, a, a group of people sitting in front of me that literally didn't sit down for the whole game. It was like they were on some sort of bar relay, and they must have had <laughs> about seventeen pints between four of them over the course of the game. But uh, no, no, no sick. I mean, I what? hate. I should qualify. I didn't see any bibs of sick. That doesn't mean that the bibs Very of sick true. didn't happen. Very yeah. true. If a bib of sick falls down in a forest and nobody's there to hear it, <laughs> does it yeah. Um, yeah, any more shit from you? Um, the only, uh, England scrum, I thought, I found, I've been very confused by England scrum because about six months ago, it was amazing and was a real strength. And then this autumn, it's kind of looked a little bit vulnerable and a little bit sort of, Exploitable. I think it's kind of in. Yes, I agree. And I think is it's it the Itoji and Cruis thing. Is I it think that, lack of that, that shouldn't be that big a problem? All you're gonna do is lose weight in the scrum and empty. Yeah. Right? You know, and you get other people with weight. You, you can. I mean, laws and fucking. I mean, the second row in the scrum, it seems to be big. They stick their head up the props' ass and they grip and they push. It's not That's, a technical yeah, exactly. job. You know, it's kind of um. And it's so it's the same front row, and yet they all of a sudden they don't look quite as. I think well, I think they're coming up against people who they're coming against people who are going to keep testing them and also I think it's it's indicative of why all England fans need to calm the fuck down if you haven't already <laughs> yes, you know that actually there's still some stuff that could go wrong we're not you know we're not the second coming of some kind of glorious uh, victorious no. rampaging army at the end of the day you know there's stuff that's going to go wrong and I think stuff of that's quite healthy for people watching certainly from my point of view because it reminds you to calm down but yes you're right uh, Tom Dare got in touch to back up the point we made earlier. He said, shit, was people still thinking Georgia ready for the Six Nations despite getting battered by a sub-full-strength Scotland side? Yeah. It, they're clearly not, let's be honest. No. Um, and that's it from me, from a shit point of view. Have you got anything else yeah. there? Um, I just had, in general, South African rugby. Well, the Lions because, are all right. Well, yeah, but they're like the only thing that's gone well for them. And they're... Not even supposed to be all right. They're supposed to be the shit ones. <laughs> yeah, that's very all true, actually. Yeah. Like, every, they're going to sack Alistair Curtis in December, very likely. Did you see his game, but, his interview before the game? You wanted him because you were out, but his interview before the game on, on Saturday was just... He has this kind of wide-eyed ebullience about him, which I'm sure is how he must get through his life. Because if he actually analysed what was going on, he'd probably just... Just whimper quietly to himself. Sort of like you know when like you hear about people who have like suffocating slowly, and then due to like <laughs> yeah. a lack of oxygen, oxygen yeah, they, yeah, they, they go they hypoxic become, and become all yeah. yeah. The, the hypoxia kicks in and they become deliriously happy. It's sort of a bit like that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's like everything's going so badly for him. All he's really got left is to just smile and. You say drowning's like that, don't you? You get kind of. Euphoric because hmm. the, the Euphoria. oxygen goes away. <laughs> but then you breathe in the cold water into your lungs. It's the most painful thing you've ever experienced. Which is about what, ironically, that's what's going to happen to him as well soon. Yeah. So. <laughs> That'll be in a couple of weeks' time in, in Cape Town, you would imagine. But yeah, the fact that he's going to carry the can for the fact that South African rugby from top to bottom 
is a complete fucking mess. The structure's a mess. The political interference is absurd. It's just quite sad, really. Like, like you say, like the players at the end of that game on Saturday, and the fans as well, to be honest, they, was, they weren't delighted. They weren't punching the air. It was a little bit they sad, doing, yeah. They weren't doing a fucking lap of honour. It was just like, oh, well, they were shit. And I was, you know, what can you... That's, that's South Africa. They're supposed... They're always yeah, rugby, fucking brilliant. Rugby will be the loser if South Africa don't have a strong team, particularly when it comes to New Zealand, because the, you so need that horrible bastard wall up against the New Zealanders. They need to keep them off. Yeah. And, it, yeah, it should be like... There's got to be something done there. I don't know what. Fucking hell, I haven't got a clue where you start with that mess. But, uh, no, that's yeah. an entire episode all of its own with, with guests on never, that know what they're I talking about. <laughs> but yes, uh, people say that politics shouldn't mix itself with sport and that becomes a major problem. However, most people who say that are either people who enjoyed a very powerful position in South Africa for a very long time or people who've never lived in that country so can't really speak to what the fuck is going on and yes. how much kind of, of a mess needs cleaning up. Yes. Is and what I will say on the matter. I would say that anybody who thinks that politics shouldn't mess with sport is about 3,000 years too late. Yeah, or is aged about four. Well, yeah, because, I mean, does anybody honestly think that they did the Olympic Games in ancient Greece for shits and giggles? <laughs> you know, <laughs> politics and sport, though. Old, old friend. Listen to us waxing philosophical and historical at the end of oh, yes. another hour and 15 minutes, which, to be honest, is just the way the pod's going to go now, people. Yeah, just, if you're still out there, picking yeah. up now nuggets of history. I mean, if you did drift off about five minutes ago, you didn't miss a lot. I'd like to shout out to Hatfield Scarlet, who was with us at the end of the, of the pod last week, and did actually say yes. thanks for, say, for giving me, you know, reps at the end of at Yeah, he might be the only one. He probably is the only one, and you know what, Owen, we 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 love you. Yes. Yeah. Right, Josh. I'll see you next week when Australia Walkers. will. Uh, with the England, who's going to win this England Australia game? Do you think? Uh, England. I think it's going to be. Com- I, yeah, mm, I'm still worried. I think, I think they'll give them a good game, but I just think England, particularly at home, Australia. They're still. If they were scoring, I can see what you're doing. Yeah. Don't think I don't know was, what you're doing. No, I'm, I'm not even trying to jinx you. I think the thing that's been the problem with Australia this whole autumn is that they create loads of really good things and then they don't score tries at the end of it because they do something stupid. Mm. And that's the reason that they lost against Ireland. That's the reason that they didn't put 50 points on Wales. You know, they, mm. they lack that clinical edge to finish stuff off. And I think... And if they had that, I reckon they'd beat England. But as it is, I think they'll butcher a load of fucking chances and England will probably score some dodgy tries on the break or something and win. I'll see you next week, Josh. We shall see. (laughs) We shall see. See you, mate. Jinxing jinxing accomplished. Ta-da. Have you got a one-for-all gift card that you've yet to spend? Treat yourself at any of the 11,000 One for All retail partners nationwide before December 31st and you could win €10,000 in cash. When you spend your gift card, simply visit oneforall.ie forward slash win and you'll be in with a chance of winning. Terms and conditions apply. One for All. Proud to support Irish businesses.
The One for All gift card is issued by GVS Prepaid Europe Limited. GVS Prepaid Europe Limited is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.